This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. It's now my pleasure to introduce our Executive Vice President and General Manager, Mr. Kevin Sheveldayoff, who will make our first pick on behalf of the Winnipeg Jets. Welcome to the Grip for 60 podcast, San Jose Sharks edition. My name is TC, uh, and I am my name is well, my name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC, and I am joined from Gainesville. Hi everyone, I am Brendan Farrell, also known as TCJ. Uh, and today we will be previewing the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, two separate games. We'll be previewing the Jets against the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. It's in two separate games, not at the same time. That might be cheating. Um, so um, we will – I am going to turn it over to our resident Sharks fan. Um, it, it has not been fun for the Sharks this season. No, it has has not. Uh, as of this recording, Pete DeBoer is still the coach of the San Jose Sharks. But that might change in the next coming days. Who knows? They wrap up their road trip tonight, and they'll be flying back to San Jose for this game. So, um, yeah, that was gonna be a note I wanted to wanted to point out between uh, on this upcoming stretch. Well, we're recording this like as the Ducks game is going on, but the Jets will be playing the national anthem or something. Yeah, the Jets will be playing the Ducks. uh, New head coach. The Sharks, who might just fire their coach before the Jets play them, or will just be a sitting duck by the time the Jets play them. And then the reigning uh, Adams Award winner trophy thing in Gerard Gallant. I just think that's a really funny contrast between those three teams. Um, and I, I was I was going to say, you talked about how uh, the Sharks could be sitting ducks for the Jets. And, it's, you know, depending on how the game goes tonight against the Ducks, we could be seeing a resurgent Jets team up against a very, uh, we'll say, poor San Jose Sharks team. And I was wondering how you felt about that. We will go with the British term that they use in the soccer world of the of a not-in-form yeah. San Jose Sharks team. Because I still, I still believe um, that there's a good team with the Sharks, like there's just a, still a stupid amount of talent on that team between Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, Joe Thornton, Kevin LeBanc. Like there's still a, a good amount of talent on that team. And I have a lot of things that I just disagree with, with the way it's being used. And like, aside from the special teams, that team is broken right now, like completely broken. And it's just it's it's been rough. And you you listed a lot of very talented players, um, but you left off playoff hero from last year, Barclay Goodrow. 
Oh my god. Yeah, you mean the guy that played like eight minutes in a game seven that went to overtime? Yes. But and he, won he, you the series. I know. I know. I'm just. Um, yeah, he's, and you he also. Scored. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was Continue. just saying he also scored on his only shift in overtime. That yes. that Barkley Goodrow. Yes. That because that he Barclay, had fresher had fresher legs than the rest of the Knights t- defense. The the Barkley Goodrow that had more goals than Johnny Goodrow. Uh, uh, um, you're also leaving off the better Carlson. Oh no no no! Stop <laughs> stop. MK Melker. Um, <laughs> he's got. I'm sure he's got a better plus minus than uh, Eric. Oh yeah, because remember, uh, as dictated by the hockey men, plus minus is a, a very very great way to evaluate talent and two way play. How's Melker's uh, grit per sixty? Does he at least have an edge that way? Not, not really. Eh. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to like. Supposedly, he's like one of the team's better penalty killers, but like when your best skill is a special team skill, and honestly, I feel like the term of just like being good on the penalty kill, I feel like that's a pretty teachable skill. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's a lot of it's just, hey, go cover that guy when this happens. Go cover that guy when this happens. Yeah, you're looking at for certain triggers, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's, it's very structured. It's very, um, very X's and O's-y. So, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Some some teams, I'm just, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about any team in particular, but you know, when you got the 29th best penalty kill for the last three years and you haven't changed that coach, maybe you think about changing that coach. I'm just saying. Um, Or you could be like a certain Canadian team who uh, has a video of said uh, bad penalty coach, bad special teams coach and having the players dissing him and not do anything about it. Well, yeah, that's well, that organization is a dumpster fire for a bunch of reasons. That is still like maybe one of my favorite hockey things that come out of the last five years. Um so speaking of the senators, the Sharks did not have a great time against the Senators. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the funny thing is last year it took a loss to the Senators to kind of wake up the team like last year we were kind of doing the same thing except this was in like late november early december where the sharks were struggling they couldn't score martin jones being martin jones and there were a lot of rumblings of all right this team's really good but they're not winning therefore we should probably fire the coach they lose they get their butts kicked by ottawa in ottawa and you know because that was eric carlson's homecoming Mm-hmm. That was his homecoming game too. And like the next day they have like a players only meeting. Oh, I got a lot of players only meetings. Yeah. And then they beat Montreal and it kicks off this like crazy stretch between like December and like February, where the Sharks just went off. And then this year they lose to Ottawa in Ottawa. And then they get their butts kicked by the Bruins tonight. And, um, yeah, and also there apparently there was not a players only meeting today or yesterday. So 
So I want I want what I want to know is is this is there any sign of the players trying to get their coach fired or is it just a bad structure? Um I don't think so. I don't it's, you know it's not like you know when uh Daryl Sutter was in his last year with the Kings mm-hmm. like um you know there were stories of the players locking Daryl Sutter out of the locker room. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, like it's yeah. There are no stories of like that happening, and I just don't see that San Jose locker room being the type to like tank for a coach. You know, no, not not jumbo but anyway. It does play into my general theory of that unless you have like one of the greatest coaches of all time, I just think that NHL coaches have a short shelf life. Peter DeBoer has been there since 2015. Mm. For him to make it this far is kind of kind of rare. Um, so I, I did like my idea, um, idea idea that I sent to you about letting Doug Wilson coach, but I just had another idea that I think might be better. Oh, turn no. turn Joe Thornton into oh, a player I knew, coach. I knew you were going there, but why not? Because that's How a horrible idea. What? horrible idea it's a great idea the last like player coach in a big four league has to be like connie mack with the philadelphia a's or something like get out of here with that it could work he's been a leader Mm -hmm. of this team for 20 years now if you were to suggest another personnel change like um, moving Brent Burns. Let's take Brent Burns and move him to the forward position. I wasn't gonna do that. That, that would be a that would be a little more productive. Really? Okay. Okay. Different idea. Better idea. Let's say hypothetically, we're gonna fast forward a little bit. The, the Sharks have fired uh, Devor. And they have a band-aid coach for the rest of the season. Let's say Joe Thornton retires, Patrick Marlowe retires, Joe Thornton becomes head coach with Patrick Marlowe as his assistant. Who says no? Absolutely nobody. <laughs> Who says no? Give me one good reason that this is a bad idea. I mean, none of them have coaching experience. That's that's a bad idea. I can't see Joe Thornton being a bad coach. I can't see Patrick Marlowe being a bad coach. I will not let I, you convince me otherwise. I see Joe Thornton being too laid back to be a good coach. Like part of me just thinks nah. that he wants to go back to his with his wife and go to Switzerland, just retire over there, or uh, yeah. know, play in the occasional Swiss League game or something. Fair enough. That does sound enticing now that you mention it. Um, but, uh, Peter DeBoer is actually one of the longest tenure coaches in the league right now. You know, I believe you, but at the same time, I'm like, I really want that not to be true because he's like you said, he's been here since 2015, and that just it's not that long of a tenure. I mean, I'm sure it's you know it's long for NHL ten by NHL standards, but I, you know, I I kind of I really want teams to have like a for no reason other than I think it would be cool to have a a coach that's, for lack of a better term, a franchise coach, you know, um, 
the same way you might have a franchise goalie for 10 years if you're lucky, you know? Um, but that just doesn't happen anymore. But speaking of long senior coaches, I have to throw this out there because we are a Jets podcast after all. Yes. John Cooper is the only coach to have a longer tenure than Paul Maurice right now. No. Chuck, and but you know, when you go to a Stanley Cup final and you do, you know, you win a president's trophy, you get to coach for a while. That happens. Right. Um, but uh, Paul Maurice isn't Paul, doing a bad job either. Yeah, and Paul Maurice just won a 700th career uh, game too. Seven, yeah, 700. That's a big milestone. That's a big milestone. Um, and Paul Maurice is doing, I think he's, you know, we talk about the Jets' slow start, but, you know, you look at what he has to work with right now, and I think he's doing a decent enough job trying to keep this team together with, you know, just random guys playing on the blue line. And the different injuries to Brian Little and now maybe Patrick Laine. He's, he has to deal with Lucas Sabiza now. Like, imagine icing Lucas Sabiza and Batetto at the same time and expecting to win. Imagine waiver claiming Lucas Sabiza and having him take out Patrick Line in practice and then putting uh, Hanela in the press box for Sabiza. Well, Maurice says that the Line injury is not related to the collision with Sabiza. Mm-hmm. And as a Flyers fan, I I can't really criticize them for this uh, just because of what's happened with uh, Gudis in the playoff, the last time the Flyers went to the playoffs. Was, uh, that was fun. Um, so when we look at this game, Sharks versus Jets, what is the one thing that stands out to you? Uh, I mean, other than the coaching situation. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is a great opportunity to jumpstart the offense. For both teams, I, mean, I would say. Yeah, but especially for the Jets. I mean, the Sharks have basically gotten caved in in, like, I don't know, their last, like, five games. So I, I like, wonder – It's Sorry, keep going. You mentioned jumpstarting the offense. And I want to point out a discovery that we made just before recording – we have our lineups here on dailyfaceoff.com that uses what is uh, what is the site that they use, uh, Corsica Hockey, to rate the different players. Keep in mind, there are 31, 31 starting goalies in the NHL. They have ranked Martin Jones as the 60th goalie in the NHL. 60th. That means there are 31 starters and 29 backups better than Martin Jones. And Arendelle, their backup, is 64th, meaning there are three uh, third-string goalies that are better than him. Yeah, who who are these magical two, teams with their with their makes who are these magical work. teams with their three NHL caliber goalies? <laughs> like, what's well, going on with this? Like, Arendelle isn't that bad. Like. <laughs> Like, who out there, what team out there is like, yeah, our starter is better than yours, our backup is better than your starter, and our third string goalie is better than your backup? Well, if you ask the Power Play podcast, they'd say they're New York Rangers. 
Um, yeah, but like, wait, 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 who's who's the uh, who's the third string? It's Shesterkin, Shesterkin. Yeah, Shesterkin, I think. Yeah. Whatever. Has he actually yeah. played in an NHL game before? No idea. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. Now, you bring up the goaltender situation, and I doubt this will happen in time for the uh, for the Jets when they play the Sharks. But the Sharks do have a pretty decent AHL goaltender in Joseph Coronar, who's only 21. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean... So then you've the got Sharks an option get, there. You're talking about a team that is supposed to contend this year that has no first-round pick. Nope, no first-round picks. At some point, you have to start taking did, drastic measures. And, and did you just lose to the team that you trade your first-round pick to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Continue. And... Here's the topper, is that, honestly, you know how, like, there are a lot of, I think Down Goes Brown was a big person on this, but there are a lot of, like, semi-serious jokes, but also, like, or half-serious jokes, but also people being like, this will actually happen, where teams will justify being bad in the first half of the year and firing their coach because the Blues did it last year. Therefore, it must be successful. All right. We have a contending team, or a team that's supposed to be a contender, yep. with a pretty loaded blue line. Yep. With I would agree. a coach on the hot seat that is also getting sunk by bad goaltending. Yes. And that is near the bottom of the standings. Correct. What are you getting at? I'm not. I'm not saying that the Sharks are this year's Blues, mm-hmm. but the situations are eerily similar. You have Patrick Marlowe on your top line. Patrick Marlowe is not Tarasenko. No, but I'm saying that there is there are signs of serious coaching malpractice on the Sharks. Fair enough. Fair enough. The um, same, like, I so, still can't believe how badly Mike Yo tanked that Blues team last year. Like, And guess where Mike Yo is now? Yep, Philly. Yep, there we go. Don't you mean uh, Elaine Vigneault's School for Reformed Coaches? Oh, God. That's a whole other episode we don't have time you guys, for. You guys are like the uh, Alabama of the NHL. I said we the, don't have time for this. Minus the uh, nope. GOAT coach. Nope, not doing this. <laughs> um, okay, where was I? What were you talking about? I was talking about how the Sharks and the Blues are eerily similar. Oh, right, 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 right. So what do you okay? How do you see this game going between the Sharks and the Jets? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think it depends on a lot of things. I, I believe if if it's Bob Bugner behind the bench, Bugner, yes, former Sharks assistant Bugner. turned turned Panthers head coach turned Sharks assistant. I believe, like, he would be the interim, like, the hands-down interim if the Sharks mm-hmm. hired DeBoer. And, again, the Sharks are flying back home from the East Coast to California with, you know, it's, it's Tuesday night now. They don't play until Friday. And they have a six-game homestand coming up. You don't want to be playing badly with a coach that's on, like, a fiery hot seat right now in front of your home fans like that. So I think that if there's an opportunity for them to fire their coach, I think this is the time. I'm just going to 
I'm going to hold that mm-hmm. there. But let's just assume we'll stop mentioning the possible coaching change after this, but let's just assume that Peter DeBoer is still the head coach. Okay. I, I think that you'll see, I think Mark Shifley and his line should have a good night because the Sharks it's have about struggled. Time. Yeah, the Sharks have struggled finding a shutdown pair this year. They haven't, they haven't uh, really shuffled the D pairs except for the third pairing because whoever is on the third pairing just seems to get hurt at, all the time this year. Well, let me ask you this: Who, which, if okay, if you don't have a shutdown pair, I guess that's fair enough. If you've got Brenton Burns on one pair and Eric Carlson on another, and then uh, whatever your third pair is, um, would you put? Is there a forward line that you would? put to match up because you know sharks get second change second change uh how is there a forward line that you would try to match with them i mean the sharks go through this like sharks fans call it the patented peter DeBoer line blender because he does this all the time but essentially this year it has boiled down to pairings with uh usually it's Couture and Meyer, Hurdle and Kane, and Thornton and LeBanc. But lately, that's just all been scrambled, and we're just going to throw Patrick Marlowe on the top line for some reason, like it's still 2011. So I usually it's the, it's the Couture line that gets the hard minutes, and that line hasn't been great so far this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, no line has really been great this year, except for – I mean, Thornton's been pretty good, and his line's been pretty good. Hey. But they've had a hard time getting Couture and Meyer going this year. And Hurdle's been fine. Evander Kane's been pretty good. He's been one of their few consistent goal scorers this year. So I'm not really answering your question at all, <laughs> am I? No, you're not. I'm just more providing background information. But I just... if, you're ma- if, if you're matching lines, I'm assuming that – they would like to get the Couture line out against um, probably Brian Little or the fourth line. Okay. Interesting. Why Brian Little? Well, I guess that's me. That's more so me imposing my opinion as a, you know me, as a big supporter of the cops, the second line movement. Yes. Same. But I sure, I'm, I'm sure that instead they'll match him up with like the third, with like the third line in the defense or in the offensive zone and the first line in the uh, uh, defensive zone. Um, and I just, I was just looking at the defensive pairings and I just want to point out that Mark Edward Vlasic, you're the one Sharks defenseman that I would say is a pretty good shutdown defenseman. Yeah. Not, is, not this year. I mean, not this year. If you ask the hockey men, yes. But in reality, his play at five on five has completely dipped really since 2016. Well, I was going to say that he he wears 44, and the one guy that you can count on the Jets to play defense is Morrissey, who also wears 44. Um, I just thought that was interesting. Um, but, I mean, in all honesty, they've put Vlasic with Burns this year, and the results have not been great. So who would you put him with? Vlasic or Burns? <laughs> Vlasic. I, I would try to give Vlasic and Carlson a go because they were really okay. good last year in their short time together. They need to shake okay. up. They need to shake up somehow. Um, I would also consider this is a little bit of a wild card, 
but I would also consider putting rookie Mario Ferraro with Vlasic. See what happens. Okay. Um, you know, uh, talking about these defensive pairings, this is really something that I look uh, for when whenever I watch the Sharks is having Brent Burns or Eric Carlson on the ice for uh, more than, you know, two-thirds, two-thirds of the game, having at least one of those guys out there. That's, to me, if I... If I am Paul Maurice, that's scary to try to say, okay, they've they've got some firepower that's going to be out there putting up points from that blue line for 40 minutes a night at least. Yeah, the problem is that's the Sharks' offense is they'll enter the zone, they'll go either D to D or they'll just straight up drop it to Burns or Carlson, and the offense is entirely point shots. Is mm. no joke. It is all about getting pucks to the net because they still believe that Joe Pavelski is on their roster. <laughs> well, you don't have anybody, and you don't have any other net front present guys. Yeah, yeah, and apparently, also side note, the Stars also don't know how to use Joe Pavelski. Apparently, but that's another, Kane, that's another tangent for another day. I feel like Evander Kane would have a good net front presence. Yeah, they're, they're, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to mold Evander Kane into Joe Pavelski, and it's just not. Uh, it's not the not same. Yeah. It's it's not it's not the same. Sounds good on paper. It's like when your favorite, it's like when your favorite restaurant changes the recipe a little bit, and it's oh. not as good. It's like it's still decent. Oh, is Evander Kane new Coke? Yeah, I guess. But even like he's not he's not bad. I mean, he's like I said, he's been like they're probably their best forward at five on five this year. But it's it's just not it's not the same. All right, score predictions for this game, or or another analogy, it's like it's like a stepdad instead of an, instead of your dad, you know. Ouch. But uh, score predictions. Well, let me think here. The Sharks have allowed a stupid amount of goals lately, and the idea of Martin Jones getting into a goaltending battle just seems hilarious to me. Yeah, so the Sharks have allowed uh, four or more in. Uh, four of their last five games, or and five of their last six. So I'm going to go with a little bit of offensive fireworks in this one. I will go Sharks oh, – sorry, not Sharks. Jets five, Sharks three. I'm going to go six-nothing route, Jets win. P- PD Bo- – PDV is still the coach going into the game. Whether he's the coach at the end, I don't know. That's going to be my prediction. The Sharks are a sitting duck. And the Jets roll. Peter DeBoer, more like Peter DeGon. Jack Roslovic gets a hat trick. That's my... Oh, that's really, that's really spicy. Boom. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm waiting for... He's, he's doing good things. I'm waiting for the, the uh, floodgates to open. Yeah, okay, so you're saying that the guy who has two goals on the season is going to uh, put up three? Yes. Okay. Good luck with that. He looked real good during the outdoor game. I mean, yeah, but I just, uh, I don't know. All right, that being said, uh, let's let's move on to the Vegas game. It's going to be a tough mm-hmm. back-to-back. It's not a particularly fun one. Nope. No, this is the one that I am not looking forward to as 
Sony's covering the Jets. This I mean, is, they, uh, yeah, that top six. I mean, I think top six on top six. I think I lean towards the Jets or lean towards the, the Knights, but I don't think they're that far apart. Where they really, hmm. I was gonna say where they really stand out is on the blue line, but then I don't, I don't even know if that's true. See, the Knights cheat by listing their second line as the first line instead of their set. Or, yeah, sorry. They list their second line as the first line, and the first line as the second. I don't know. I'm, I'm completely off. Regardless, William Carlson is listed as a center for the first line, but really, I think the second, I think the proper first line is Max Pacioretty, Paul Stasty, and Mark Stone, largely just because of Mark Stone. Oh, I was going to yeah, I was just about to say, Mark Stone is one of the best players in the league right now, if, you know, uh, elite talent there um and he, he i always have to remind myself that he's a winger because of how responsible he is defensively i think he's a center um if, if he was a center he would have won a selkie by now oh yeah absolutely 100 percent. like like hands down 100 percent. um like that 2017 run was just him and eric carlson going out of their minds so do we do we know if we're going to get Flurry or if we're going to get Sparks? Because that, I think, plays a big difference, a huge role in this game. Is, uh, is Subban still hurt, then? According to Daily Faceoff, Subban is hurt. Yeah, okay. Um, Tuck, Tuck, Smith, and um, Subban are all hurt, which Alex Tuck and Nate Schmidt being hurt, I think, is a uh, bonus for Winnipeg. Yeah, it's a big bonus, um, especially – I mean, honestly, both of those are huge losses yeah. for Vegas. I mean, without those guys, they just don't have – they don't have nearly as much depth as they um, would like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like their second line – it goes from their second line of Pacioretty, Staffney, Stone to uh, Thomas Noshik, Cody Eakin, and Cody Glass. Like that's a, that's a big drop-off. Did Cody Glass win a cup with the Penguins? I'm sorry, who? Cody Glass? No, no, he was the he was the first Vegas draft pick. No. Who are who are you thinking of? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, you're way off on that one. Maybe I'm thinking of Tanner Glass. Yeah, you're thinking of Tanner Glass, but no, no I don't think mind. he did. I, I, I'm pretty sure Tanner Glass like played for every team in that division. I swear. You know, I don't even play for the Flyers, but I know nope. for certain that he played for the Rangers and the, the Rangers. Penguins. Yeah, Rangers Penguins might have played for the Islanders too. Um, but anyway, we are we're getting we're getting sidetracked here. Let me see. Jonathan Marchessault, pretty good. Pacioretty, pretty good. Riley Smith, pretty good. Mark Stone. Elite, William Carlson, pretty good. Paul Stastny, pretty good. I think this Jets blue line is going to have their hands full. Yeah, and it's it's never fun going to going to Vegas or at least playing in T-Mobile Arena. So let's say theoretically, the Jets win in Anaheim because the Jet the Ducks are bad. 
let's say they win in San Jose because the Sharks are bad. Suddenly they've got nice. three in a row going to Vegas against a team that largely the season has been really, really good or really, really bad. How does this shape out? Well, I mean, first of all, when you put it that way, it, it, I think that's a big boost just because of their division that they're in. Because it seems like the Stars, the Wild, and the Blackhawks can't get out of their own way, and they're just like all fighting each other for the bottom uh, spot of that division. I think the Stars will figure it out, though. I think so. But again, they haven't figured out how to use Joe Pavelski yet, so that's that no. still bothers me. It's a problem. Um, do we know, do we know if Fleury played recently? Uh, I can look that up for you though. Okay. While you're looking that up, I, I, you know, while you're looking that, I just want to point out, you know, that this team pretty good offensively is going to give, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how they, how the Jets handle Anaheim defensively. Just because I personally cannot stand the fact that Potato and um, Sabiza are getting to play at the same time. So I kind of want to see Hanala in this game. I really don't want to see either one of those two in at the same time. And it'll be Oh, that's the other thing is what is what is Patrick Line's um, health status? I guess he was doubtful for today's game. So maybe by the time Saturday Saturday rolls around, he won't be having any sort of issues. Um, but that's sort of what I was thinking. Did you find anything? Yeah. Um, so he played uh, on Sunday for against Anaheim, and mm-hmm. then on Friday against Colorado. So I'm thinking that they'll get a flurry. I would just bank on them getting flurry. Okay. Because they played, they played Sunday, and they won't play again until Thursday, and then they get the Jets on Saturday. And given mm. the uh, non-flurry goaltending results that they've gotten this year, I think that they'll – as much as they would probably hate to do it, uh, I figure when in doubt they'll go with flurry. Okay. In that case, I think, I think it'll be three, two nights. I I just think at the end of a road trip, second day of a back-to-back, I think this is just going to be a bad game for them. I'm going to go 5-2 Vegas. Who, who are you looking for to step up in this game from the Jets' perspective? I mean, they're, they're going to need – They're going to need – you know what? I'm going to just keep pushing this narrative until it becomes a reality. I think – this is a good matchup for Andrew Cobb in that third line. Hey, he gets Nosek, Eakin, and Glass. They, I, I, I mean, if they if they match one one against one, two against two, three against three. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, you know. And you know what that means? That means opportunities for Jack Roslovic. Well, right now they're. I mean, assuming that line A plays, yeah. Right. Well, again, he was doubtful for today's game, so I'm assuming by Saturday he should be good to go. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But, yeah, I'm assuming that, yes, Line A will play and Roslovic will be on the third line. So, yeah. Any other 
any other final thoughts mm. on these two games? No, that's that's I'm I'm trying to I've already given you my hot take. I don't I can't I don't know how to uh, top that really. All right. With that being said, um, that will do it for this episode of the Grit for Sixty podcast. You can find me on Twitter at thefarrel seventy seven. TC, where can they find you? I am on Twitter at. TC underscore 904 and on Instagram at the same handle. Uh, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at gripper 60 pod. You can find the podcast themselves on Spotify and iTunes. Just type in grit slash 60 and you'll find it will be right there. Uh, yeah, I believe that's it for the plugs. So That being said, thank you everyone for watching and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.